Hello, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We are so happy to be with you, be with each other, and talk about some yarny stuff and some witchy stuff. I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. Tell us some news, Emily. Well, we're both going to be in person at Wool and Folk, which is Friday, October 14th. The event is from noon to 7 p.m. It's in Kingston, New York, and this is kind of like a pre-Rhinebeck event. So if you're coming up for Rhinebeck, come up on Friday and come see us at Woolen Folk. Tickets are on sale right now. I am going to be sharing a booth with Kemper of Junk Yarn. Lauren will be in the booth too. Lauren is maybe bringing some special balls of a certain Fiber Coven themed colorway for people who want that. I will have any leftovers I have of the trick-or-treat advent calendar on hand, as well as the special skein that Lauren dyed, the special sock set, and all of my stuff will be in person. And I have a brand new line of stuff coming out with Kemper that is my Yarny's Dream House collection, which is a little dream house pin with a Yarny and all of her Yarny friends as little stitch marker charms. It's going to be really, really cute. So come visit us. I was around in person when Emily was drawing these things and they are a lot of fun. Uh, I will also say you might spot us around Rhinebeck proper and no no matter where you find us at Woolen Folk or Rhinebeck, uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, let us know. We'll give you a sticker. We'll have them in our pockets. Sticker pockets. Mm -hmm. And we'll probably be hosting uh, or uh, part of some sort of meetup at Rhinebeck. So stay tuned to our socials to see more about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Well, we hope to see you. Great. So, finished objects. Did you finish anything this week? I did. <gasps> what is it? It's socks. Socks? I finished my little vanilla Regia self-striping socks. I haven't blocked them yet, but I did weave in all the ends. Uh, Excellent. And these are a f- present for my friend Sarah um, because I needed to you know make some other people some socks for a time so they are like size nine women's socks knit in regia self-striping uh i used the artemis yarn that lauren dyed up for our moon club last year as the heel and yeah they're just plain vanilla socks they're very cute i finished what something that i've been doing for my vanilla project it's not very vanilla maybe it's like a vanilla sprinkles project I finished my third hat, Dana. Yay! (laughs) It went pretty quick. This one's in fingering weight. This is a special skein of MCN that I had from Fresh from the Cauldron. I got it at Stitches Baby in like 2017. It was supernatural inspired. It was called They Ate My Tailor, which is a a great Crowley quote. I enjoy it. Um, I really like this pattern. I have a friend who is both knitworthy and the one who got me into Supernatural. The fingering weight version actually took about 50 grams and it's like 115 gram skein. So I definitely have enough for two. So my friend and I are going to have matching hat Dana's. Cute. Yeah. I really love it. Um, I love it so hard. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to make, I'm going to make these from all my single skeins in my stash. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that would let me jump into the fact that I did, in fact, cast on the matching one. Mm-hmm. So, exact same thing. There it is. There it is. A little, a little triangle. triangle. Yeah. 
It's nice. There's this little cable down the center. It's the pattern is really memorizable. I like everything about it. I'm going to keep making tons. You can do them. It's nice because you can do them in any weight of yarn. So the um, pattern is written for worsted, but there is a free modification for fingering weight. It's really adjustable. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, what have you been working on? Um, I cast on a new pair of socks because I finished my socks. Look how cute they are. They're super That's so cute. cute. So this is Junk Yarn uh, Polly Pocket colorway. And I am knitting these so that I can wear them and uh, rep Kemper's yarn that matches my pins for mm -hmm. Woolen Folk. So these are my current vanilla project. I used the mini skein, which is this really cute like bubblegum pink for the cuff. And I'm going to use that for the heel. I don't think I'm going to use it for the toe because my wedge toe that I do takes more yarn than a standard toe and I'll run out. Um, so I'm just going to do it for the cuff and the heel, but that's the only part you can see when I'm wearing shoes anyway. And then I have just like a little bit of an inch of the vanilla. And this is a like mint aqua kind of color with a very light pink uh, micro striping. Oh, it's so cute. And those were a sock set, right? Yes, these are a sock set and Kemper is dyeing a bunch of this color and bringing it with her for the show. And I will have a bunch of the witchy pocket pin sets. So you can get that stuff in addition to our new yarny stuff. That's going to be so much fun. Mm -hmm. Sweet. You've been knitting on anything else? I started making charts for a certain MCAL that we are working on, but I haven't cast on yet. And I can nice. show it to you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I've been working on a couple things. I did put in some good work on my ripple halter modification. Uh, it looks so comically tiny, but it it's does. just like the, the ripple bralettes. <laughs> uh, they expand a lot. And I am a hobbit size person. So you can see from the stitch marker there where I was last week, I have separated for the sleeves and I have worked into the body, but uh, this honestly sat aside a lot this week while I went on my hat Dana craze. Have you tried it on? Does it, the, the sleeves yes. work nice? Yes. I tried it on at knit group. It was funny. Uh, it, it, there were much jokes because it doesn't quite cover my boobs yet. It just looked like a little shoulder covering, but um, it's a dicky. It is a little dicky at this point. It is. <laughs> It's nice. It's super soft. I'm using some one of a kind hand dye that a friend made for me. And I, the, there's a lot of variation between the two skeins. So I'm fading between this one that was more saturated and more greeny to one that's a little more pale. And that's going to be the main body, but I have a lot left over. So that's going to be for the sleeves, which are going to be in the uh, color I started with, which would be fun. Nice. And are you just doing like short sleeves? I'm I'm just going to run the yarn out and okay. I, I, I am aiming for as long of sleeves as I can get. Okay, cool. But actually I haven't really decided it's up in the air. Sweet. I'll have to work on it and find out. <laughs> I look forward to seeing it. Me too. It's kind of, we're having a heat wave on the West coast right now. So it's kind of hard to want to work on a sweater when it's, when it's so sweaty out, it's not so sweaty here in the mountains, but nobody here has air conditioning. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. I've also been spinning a bit on my, Ooh. yeah. So I got 
these Rolex from Rapunzel Fiber Arts. These are the Camino color from her Star Wars collection, which I really love. The oh, it's it's just so much fun. I think I'm gonna. I'm probably going to make this into a hat nana. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and you're doing it on your uh, cross-arm spindle there. Yes, I'm using a 3D printed Turkish spindle from Turtle Made. It's super accessible. I think I picked this up at the same stitches I got that Supernatural yarn hat so many years ago. Um, I love it that these are dark inky blue black with pops of greens and like aqua blues it's really it's like definitely like stormy seas at night which i absolutely love definitely nailed the inspiration i think it's gonna make a really nice three ply i have to find a if i make it into a hat dana i'd have to find a friend with light colored hair so that the dark pop nice it's true mm-hmm. and that's all i've really been working on this week Nice. Sweet. I also spun a bunch on my spinning project, but I didn't bring it with me because it's on the wheel. But I only have mm-hmm. like two colors left to go on my loop fiberworks bump that I'm spinning up. And I am being a little butt and overfilling my bobbin because I don't want to have to have it be two separate gradient skeins. So my bobbin is like pregnant with yarn at the moment it's going over beyond the ends of the bun <laughs> i do that too i am so naughty it's sketchy but i have the jumbo plying head so it'll be fine for plying because <laughs> i'm going to chain ply it <laughs> mm-hmm. yep so i'm doing that which kind of is a good transition into acquisitions because I received some fiber this week. You received many things because you had a birthday. It was my birthday. Yeah, I have some stuff to show. I'm not going to show everything I got for my birthday because that would be boring. But I have some like relevant stuff to talk about. The main relevant stuff is this fiber that Lauren got me from Rapunzel Fiber Arts. And it is just so perfect. I love it very, very much. (laughs) You absolutely crushed it. I once had a skein of yarn. I forgot who dyed it, actually. I bought it, like, forever ago. Uh, that was called Darkwing Dunk, Dark Darkwing Duck. And it had, like, lavender and pops of blue and pink. And I think about it all the time because I loved it so much. And this is basically, like, that but better than that in fiber form. And I'm very excited about it. Um, so this is Etheria, which is a custom color that Lauren helped uh, Rapunzel Fiber Arts create for me. And it was inspired by um, she sunsets and Steven Universe sunsets, which is like totally my aesthetic. Oh, you know me so also, well. Also, <laughs> in my inspiration pictures, there was a, I found one from Spirited Away, too, that I liked Aww. and I thought was your colors. Cute. <laughs> Cry. Um, but this is 70% merino, 12% star bright, which is like a sparkle, uh, 4% mulberry silk, 4% tussa silk, 1% silk noil, and 1% angelina. And the silk noil bits are really nice. They look like little like cloud cloud puffs. So I have eight ounces of this beautiful stuff, and I think I'm going to put it on my wheel after I finish the uh, gradient here. And then yeah. I'm I really like it. And I've never spun from Rolex before. So I'm really excited to try spinning from Rolex. I don't know. Um, she did send me some sample Rolex. I didn't bring those because they're the same colors mm-hmm. that Lauren showed uh, last week. 
Uh, so I got a couple of those and she did send me two of a certain color. So I think I'm going to try and spin those up consistently and see like what the size of yarn is and ply them together and use that kind of as a swatch for spinning up my whole little, little baggies here. I'm definitely not an expert on fiber preps or spinning. I'm definitely a fly by the seat of my pants sort of spinner who doesn't measure anything. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But um, from what I understand, roll eggs are a lighter area preparation that the fiber is wound into a little tube so that the fibers are going to be less aligned. And so you're going to get something fluffier. And I would assume it's similar to like if you spin from the fold over your finger, mm -hmm. that's sort of an idea. Yeah, definitely. And um, it is going to be more of a woolen prep for your yarn than a worsted prep because the fibers are all spiraling around your rolag and you're going to be pulling from the end. So they are not going to be all going in nice and parallel to each other like they would with like a roving or a top. Um, so it is going to be more light and airy just by virtue of that. And I will say, because uh, I've been spinning them for my last couple projects, they are frighteningly easy to pre-draft. I'm excited. Yeah, just in general, just like, burp, 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 and you're done. Nice. Pre-drafted, ready to spin. Nice. I'm super quite excited. I think they're going to be fun and potato chippy because it'll be like, oh, I'm just going to spin one more of these little, little bumpies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I like it too, because I can measure it really easy and I'll just put like, I'll do four roll eggs to one little turtle that I pull off of my, my Turkish spindle, turtle or cop is what you call the little ball of yarn. Mm -hmm. Definitely my spinning mojo has been back lately. Thanks to all these fun nerdy yarn uh, preps, fiber preps, I should say. It's definitely been making me like watch videos online about, you know, just watching other spinners and learning things from them. Yeah. Yeah. I do think I'm going to spin it on my wheel because I suck at spindle spinning. Uh, so mm -hmm. can't be trusted. Do you get anything else cool for your birthday that you want to show us? I did get some cool stuff. Um, I got some pens that I'm excited about, which are Posca paint markers. Mm -hmm. um, which I had a couple of, but I got like a whole set of different colors. Um mm -hmm for which to draw with and these are uh paint markers that you can use on like canvases and like kind of actually paint with and they are opaque you can overlap colors and stuff you can blend colors if you want to so they're really nice so i am going to be using them to be making some random art bits yes so i was excited about those and then i also um, got some crystals for my sister. I didn't bring all of them, but I got a really cute little agate moon with like a little hole that has like crystally bits inside. It's nice. It's on my bedside table. And I got this bag for my sister, which is a uh, Crocs bag. It's it's not officially a Crocs bag. It's like a knockoff company that she found at Meyer, but it has the holes in it and you could put my shoe charms my croc charms in there so this is exciting because i'm going to use it as a display in my booths and then people who don't you like could, to wear croc shoes can use it too you can fill you can fill it full of yarn for the display mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be really cute i took a picture of it with my uh 
crochet blanket project, which actually fit in here because it's huge. <laughs> um, nice. But yeah, and it turns out that this is a knockoff bog <laughs> bag because they were being all sass. Did you see them being sassy at me on Instagram? So I posted this on Instagram. One of my followers was super nice and tagged this company that makes bags like this. Mm -hmm. uh, like, hey, check out these cool charms on this bag because they were trying to like be nice right. and like show my stuff. And the company was like, too bad it's not an official bog bag. <laughs> And they like put some sassy emojis. So I responded back to them that I would be happy to take pictures of my charms on an official blog bag if they send me one. They didn't respond. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this was a gift, people. Yeah, calm down. It's like, I didn't even know these bags like existed. <laughs> that is so funny. I'm going to have to go look at that. And then Kemper responded to it. She said, I would also be happy to display his bag. So I'm so there are two companies making croc styled, not croc affiliated bags, and they're sassing people, and they're both. I know it's like you're not croc companies. <laughs> I wonder if the bog bag. I this. didn't look at them too closely, but I wonder if their holes are even going to be the right size for the charms or not. I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's ridiculous. So that was my weird Instagram sass, and then I got some plushies. I got this pink fuzzy crab. Squishmallow. It's cute. It's cute. She's hot pink. On my plushy couch. And I also got is the it, small plush. I got this. This reminds you of your favorite your favorite cancers in your life? It does. Yes. It's my little <laughs> cancer crab crab people. And you love uh, us. This pastel rainbow with feet. It's very cute. The little feet are a lot. And a lavender boba mini squishmallow. <laughs> So my plush couch runneth over. I would imagine so. And Chad so also got me a mushroom grow kit so I can be a cool mushroom person like you, which I'm really excited about. He got me three mushroom kits. I have white oyster mushrooms, brown oyster mushrooms, and pink oyster mushrooms. And they all taste different, apparently. Interesting. Yeah. I have to wait to start growing them until after we get back from Disney. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. You want to eat want all of your delicious. Mm -hmm. And I don't mm -hmm. want the chicken sitter to get all my mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was a very interesting sentence. Don't want the chicken <laughs> sitter to get all my mushrooms. Yeah. That sounds like something you'd say in a dream. I'm I'm Farmer Maggot, and uh... <laughs> you ruined my segue. I'm sorry, I didn't know you were doing <laughs> such a lovely segue. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway, to try that again, <laughs> saying something insane, like I don't want my chicken sitter to get on my mushrooms. <laughs> something you'd say in a dream which is convenient because this week we're talking about dreams for a cult corner we are <laughs> oh my goodness i can't stop laughing we have too much fun with this yeah we are both watching what well, i already watched and emily started watching the sandman series which made it pop in my brain let's talk about dreams and dreams is a huge topic so today we're just going to talk about a little bit of history and a little bit about lucid dreaming and modern practice. We're not going to get into like the entirety of everything. There might be another podcast where we dip into other elements of dreams. So basically, well, in any cultural heritage, if you look back far enough, you're going to see a practice of either divination through dreams or people believing that your dreams are a way to contact people who aren't like of the physical realm, be it your ancestors or 
or deities or whatnot. Um, it's definitely something that's just inherent in the human experience, um, which has changed a lot. And in our modern digitized society um, and like modern science where we can study brainwaves and all that good stuff, we tend to view dreams as sort of uh, an, a, like a byproduct of memory processing, like data processing to see what gets stored in long-term memory or not. It's just random bits of your consciousness making a little mashed up movie. But there's so much that comes in between like uh, cultural, like spiritual practices and like modern science. So we thought we'd talk about someone who kind of started off, who's like closer to that modern experience. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Sigmund Freud, a sex-obsessed cokehead who existed in a society obsessed with cishet white patriarchy. So this is not saying that we endorse Freud or think he was right. We don't, I don't think he was right, but he is definitely the start of scientists and psychologists and psychoanalysts and all that stuff, starting to think about dreams with a more modern eye. And let's get into what this guy who was probably high on coke for the, his entire adult life had to say about dreams. <laughs> Freud thought that dreams were the royal road to the unconscious. He was a big fan of the subconscious and all the different parts of, you know, your internal workings. He published the Interpretations of Dreams in 1899, and he considered this his most important book. It was where he introduced the Oedipus Complex, and uh, he, in his uh, white man hubris, thought he had cracked the code of dreams. It's just like... Buddy. Yeah, you got it all figured out, my man. <laughs> it's something that like humans have been trying to figure out since the dawn of time. And it, I really don't think that any one human has, like, people might have solved things for themselves, but you can't solve those big questions on a societal level for everyone. Like I'd, I think a lot of people are like tuned into their own spirituality, but you can't answer the question like, what are dreams? What is God for mm -hmm on a on a mass level it's just ridiculous anyway freud was one of those ridiculous men who thought he got it all right uh he thought that daydreams were an expression of your of the wishes you could acknowledge whereas the dreams that happen at night are fulfillment of wishes that you can't consciously acknowledge and he didn't think that they were just direct rep like obviously some of our dreams are direct wish fulfillment but he didn't think that all of our dreams were direct wish fulfillment fulfillment he still thought that there was some sort of like gatekeeper on your your forbidden desires when you're sleeping it was just more relaxed than when you're awake he also thought that all your well, the vast majority of neuroses were from repressed sexual wishes which is a little much also society was a lot different then as far as like what society demanded what sexual wishes society demanded you repress Mm -hmm. So I think I can just say that I'm happy to live in more of a time where sexual things that happen between two consenting adults are less repressed than in Freud's day. So there is definitely a societal element of that sort of a thing. You can fix a lot of neuroses by not persecuting people for things that happen consensually. Wow. <laughs> Go figure. Sweet. Anyway, back to dreams. The psychoanalytical approach to dreams as per Freud and his coke addiction back in the day was 
kind of the pattern of it was that the dreamer would like tell their dreams and tell the associations they had with the symbols and things that had happened. And those associations would lead someone to introspect about things that were actually happening in their life. And if you're not being influenced by someone else, it's definitely a solid way to do it because the symbols that come up in your own dreams have meaning for the dreamer. And if you avoid like a psychoanalyst, and I'm using that in quotes because it is very outdated science. And like, if you don't have like a quote unquote psychoanalyst trying to tell you what the symbols mean, it can be very useful to just, you know, seeing, seeing what's lurking in your subconscious. And there was Uh, I saw a correlation between that and then a modern therapy practice like EMDR, which stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's where a therapist who's been trained in such things will get you to move your eyes back and forth in an imitation of REM sleep. And it lets you just basically kick off that same process of seeing what free-forming associations come up, be it in your dreams or with this eye movement that mimics REM sleep. And then you can see what associations come up for you and then think about them in context of your like waking life a little better. And that's what I have on Freud and its correlations to modern therapeutic practices. Nice. Tell us a bit about lucid dreaming. So lucid dreaming is when you are in a dream and you become aware that you are actually dreaming. So you've seen this represented in cartoons a bunch of times. It's the moment when the character pinches themselves and they realize they're dreaming and fly away from the monster or whatever it is. About half of people have had a lucid dream at some time in their life, about half of adults, and about 11% of people experience one or two lucid dreams per month. Yeah, so that's pretty, that's a lot of people for something that isn't talked about a ton in society. And like most dreams, lucid dreaming will typically occur during REM sleep. And there are varying degrees of lucidity. Um, Some people can wake themselves up immediately upon realizing that they have been dreaming. Other people may be able to realize they're dreaming and then influence their own actions within the dream. Like, I am dreaming, so I'm going to handle this situation this way. Or other people can create whole things in their dream. Like, they could go, go to a whole different location on purpose and, like, meet with a specific person on purpose and, like, have a conversation with someone or, like, ride on a dragon on purpose. Uh, so there's, like, lots of, there's a whole spectrum of lucidity. And aside from just being like cool, (laughs) it uh, can be really useful for some people. If you have regular or reoccurring nightmares, trying to practice lucid dreaming can be a really productive way to deal with that. There's different ways that you could try and deal with that. Maybe if there's an antagonist in your, your dream and you become lucid, you could ask like why they're doing this and like try to like verbally process the situation. Other people will like maybe develop a superpower and like punch the antagonist in the face or like be able to like run really fast and get away. And it can also be a safe form of exposure therapy for people with phobias. So if you have a lucid dream about a giant spider, you then know that the spider can't harm you because you're dreaming. So yeah, it can also just be a creative outlet. So if you are able to like influence things, uh, you could maybe play out a story as if you were like reading a book or playing a video game. It can be a good way to like go on an adventure, explore something that might be dangerous in real life. Like if you're like, I want to 
climb a mountain, but you're not actually going to climb a mountain. You could do that in your dream. So if this is something that all that like sounds cool to you, there are ways to try and kind of prep yourself for lucid dreaming. It does just happen for some people without trying, but you can have success trying to become more lucid in your dreams. It is kind of a long-term mindfulness practice situation. You are not going to be able to go to sleep tonight and be like, I'm going to have a lucid dream and have it happen for you. I mean, maybe you will, but it's very unlikely that it will be what happens for you. It's more likely that you're going to do some of these steps and it will be a long journey and process for you. But I find it enjoyable. While I was doing these notes, I realized that this is like a huge part of my magical practice (laughs) that I have been doing like even before I was witchy, I would say. So something I have three like kind of beginner steps that you can take towards starting to lucid dream if you want. The first one, did you have something? I just wanted to say that these are just like good sleep hygiene. These are all just good practices, whether or not you have success lucid dreaming. Yes. Yes. And yeah, these will make you just like a more healthy and aware sleeper regardless of whether or not you achieve lucidity. And I would argue that if you do these things, you are going to enter some level of the lucidity spectrum. Like even if you aren't able to wake yourself up or influence something, like you are going to be able to be more calm in a dream situation if you do these, like some improvement will happen to you, even if it's very small. Yeah. One of the easy steps for lucid dreaming is reality checks. So this is something that you could do during your regular waking life multiple times a day. And you basically pick a thing that you're going to do multiple times. Like you could put your hand on a solid wall and try and pass through the solid wall. Um, Some people will read like a line of text a couple times and like confirm that the wall of text isn't changing or or, sorry, the line of text isn't changing uh, because in a dream text changes frequently. And this is basically something that is going to help you realize that you're dreaming if you aren't currently able to recognize uh, when you are dreaming. So if you are practicing like putting your hand on that wall and just trying to put it through the wall while you're awake a few times a day, it sounds silly. But if you do that a bunch, you your subconscious might have you do that while you are in a dream and then you can realize you're dreaming because your hand will go through the wall. This is represented in Inception. It's the thing that they're doing with the top in that movie. But yeah, this is a real way to try and figure out whether or not you're dreaming. This isn't one that I do regularly. I have I have never really practiced that. I think it's an interesting idea. I am just like not going to remember to do that multiple times a day. <laughs> Something that I do practice is keeping a dream journal. And a lot of people think that this is the most important step towards just becoming more aware of what your dreams mean to you, as well as working towards lucid dreaming. Uh, So people who are able to remember their regular dreams, like non-lucid dreams, are much more likely to be able to become lucid dreamers. And if you keep a dream journal, it's really, really good practice for recalling your dreams. And you could be like, I remember my dreams. And Maybe you do. That's awesome. But if you take a little bit of time when you wake up to write down what happened to you in your dream and record it, you are going to become even better at remembering your dreams over time. And I personal experience, like 
you will definitely improve with how much you remember your dreams. Did you have something? I did. So I do have a lot of anxiety dreams. I have, I'd say the majority of my dreams, I remember them and their anxiety dreams and uh, the occasional terrible nightmare. But something that my, my personal therapist told me to help with the anxiety dreams, because I do wake up with a huge emotional hangover about, you know, like just your standard, like, oh, today's the final. And I haven't even been to the class, like is to wake up like when you wake up to tell yourself like no I successfully went to class when I was a student and I showed up at the finals and you know received grades that were reflective of my efforts and that was something that uh, my personal therapist suggested to either like examine the negative feelings and or remind yourself that in real life you can you know complete the tasks you do wear clothes in public your teeth are in your head uh, so the dream journaling is a good way to do either of those things, just to state what happened and explore your feelings around it and or remind yourself that like, no, in real life, you have this agency and these things don't affect you. Yeah. And a good practice with the dream journal, too, is, again, you do it right when you wake up because that's when the dream is freshest in your mind. So that's going to really help with the like memory recall stuff, but also to record with precise detail and to start recording things that aren't your immediate instinct to record. So like, for example, with me, my immediate instinct is kind of to, to record the plot of the dream which is great, but I almost always remember the plot of my dreams at this point. So start recording things like color. What was the weather like? Did you see any of the scenery? What were people wearing? How did you feel about different stuff? How were people acting towards you? Do you think that people represent any like feelings or archetypal characters for you? Images are a big thing. I do draw little doodles in my dream journal, especially if it's something that I feel like I have kind of creatively come up with and it's not just like an image that I have seen before uh, because I do like sometimes dream like art kind of stuff and also writing down like words that stand out to you if you can remember like specific phrases that people were saying these are all really good practices and then also maybe like the theme of your dream like did this dream represent abandonment to you did it represent exploring was it an anxiety dream about being late that kind of thing do you find that you're you follow that kind of uh pattern of writing down like the things you remember like the things that stuck out to you as symbols and associations and then your interpretation of that yes that's because that's generally what I came up when I uh, looked at my 20 year old book on Freud. <laughs> that yeah, that, was, it's just kind of like a self-directed version of the original psychoanalysis tradition of like, just simply remember what happened. What are the things you associate or what, what do they symbolize to you? And then what do you think that, what, what's your interpretation? Yeah. And I will, I doodle odd images for sure to like for example last night I had a dream where there was like a whale with like a submarine in its mouth so I will like doodle that going on so that's kind of what I had on dream journaling I do keep a whole separate dream journal because dreams are weird and I try and be pretty faithful and write down my dreams I don't like omit stuff even if it's like embarrassing or weird uh, so I mm-hmm. do have a whole separate dream journal that just like stays by my bedside table it's not my bullet journal that I carry around with me every day and I would highly recommend doing that uh, even if you're not a multi-journal person uh, because then you'll feel like less weird about 
like faithfully writing down even like, you know, personal stuff. If it's not your journal, you carry around with you. That's a good tip because I have tried on several occasions for, like I said, for reasons of alleviating anxiety, dreams, and nightmares. I've tried on several occasions to do a dream journal, but that's the stumbling blocks. I've always been putting, lately I've been trying to put it in where like I, in like my journal where I do my tarot stuff and it just having to carry it from one place to another is the stumbling block I find. Yeah, no, so it, li- it lives in my bedside table with the pen for it. And that is the only way I'm going to do it is mm-hmm. if that journal and that pen don't leave that spot. Yeah, kudos to anyone who can manage to bring like keep everything together but I don't think that's either of us that's not how I roll (laughs) this this whole conversation is really making me want to like try again yeah yeah it's it's a really good practice and I I will say I've been doing this for a long time uh I have done it on and off since before I was a witchy person and I I do like anecdotally realize like a lot of improvement and like being able to recall my dreams and I do lucid dream occasionally I have never been able to like transport myself to a new location or like completely fabricate something but I can have a dream where I am aware it is a dream and I continue dreaming what I mean there's a lot of, like that's like the the first very first step but, like the barest requirement for lucid dreaming that's as far as you get is being aware of the dream no, I can act accordingly. Mm. Like I am not trapped in like going through the motions of what I might be doing. Like I can be like, this is silly. This is a dream and like interact with stuff in a different way. Mm. Cause that like awareness is the only like step I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I mean that I have experienced, like I've been, I've had dreams where I was aware that it wasn't real, but it like doesn't stop me from being trapped in the cycle of like the anxiety about I don't know, waiting tables and people coming in and me not giving them menus. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something I did see kind of in the research, like uh, about tips for people who are trying to develop lucid dreaming is that if you wake up two hours early, it's like, oh God, I'm not ever doing I'm that on purpose. That. <laughs> uh, and then go back to bed. You can, it, that might help because it, you know, at this certain point in your REM sleep, but like I said, I'm never going to do that on purpose, but a lot of times if I'm having a good dream uh, and I wake up, you know, early in the morning, naturally I can be like, ah, I want to go back to that. And I, sometimes I can about about half the time I can, Mm -hmm. I can go back to that dream. It might be a little bit off, but I can kind of go back to the same setting, which is fun. Yeah. My third kind of tip for starting this lucid dreaming journey is just mindfulness uh, in general could be good for you, which if you're a witchy person, you are practicing some form of mindfulness, right? But yeah, the idea is that mindfulness can help you be more aware of your surroundings and situation while you're awake. So if you are more aware when you're awake, it's going to become part of your personality that you're going to be more aware and be able to notice that you're dreaming while you're asleep. Um, a big part of this can be setting up like a dream ritual or going to bed ritual that you do every night to help prepare your brain like, hey, I'm going to sleep now and this will maybe help you become lucid. And there's a bunch of different ways. I just have a couple jumping off point tips for creating your own sleep ritual. But to keep in mind, this is all very personal and it's very much about making you feel comfortable in your sleeping space. So if you don't like my ideas, come up with ideas that work better for you. So create your sleeping space and curate your sleeping space. Maybe 
include colors in your bedroom that you find comforting. Make sure you have like cozy blankets and you feel good and safe in your bed. Maybe add some crystals that are like calming and sleep related like amethyst if crystals are a part of your practice. You can use scent uh, to kind of cue your brain that you're going to sleep. So maybe like make a little misty spritzer with like some lavender or some other calming scent in it and like kind of spritz the air before you get in bed. The scent can like kind of tell your brain like, oh, okay, I smell lavender. It's sleepy time now. You, oh, you open flames while you're asleep. No, th- that's why I'm saying spritz. Do not light exactly. a candle and then go no. to sleep. <laughs> no, no candles. You but, must be awake for candles. But a way to have sense without flame, spritzing the air, powder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You can have a scented powder that you sprinkle on your pillow to like have a little sleepy time scent. Uh, mm-hmm. You can have a lavender sachet in your pillow. Then you don't even have to do anything. Just that lavender smell is going to be there automatically if it's in your pillow. And then maybe do some sort of a calming activity like stretching, do a little cool down stretch. Uh, maybe you listen to music. I tend to read a chapter of my book. I will say with the reading a chapter of your book, that can sometimes influence your dreams. Uh, So if you don't want that to be the case, maybe don't do that. Avoid your devices and try setting an intention. Uh, You can set your intention by speaking it out loud or kind of like speaking it in your head and internalizing it or writing it down and set your intention to be what your goal is for sleeping. Basically, like tonight I will be aware that I am dreaming or something simple like that. Yeah. And if you're like me and you have a lot of anxiety dreams and you're looking for things that might help that, like part of that same advice that my therapist gave me was you can do that same mantra. Like after you've woken up from an anxiety dream, you can do that before you fall asleep. Just like do like a mantra or an affirmation, like I can reach destinations, you know, I can attend, you know, just these things that, that come up in anxiety dreams. Like you'd be like, no, I'm a real person who wears clothes in public and can reach destinations. Nice. Yeah. That was all my stuff. Great. So yeah, something I saw with lucid dreaming is that it has basically the two main benefits for trying to lucid dream is for stress and anxiety reduction, as well as helpfulness for creatives. Do you, as since we're both creatives, do you ever have any dreams that are uh, creative inspiration? I don't know that I have dreams that are creative inspiration. I mean, I definitely have, but I haven't like acted on them or I think it's more like a sandbox of like, you know, just like letting your imagination run around and play with whatever it wants to play with. Because a lot of my creative inspiration is stuff that I like, I don't actually want to make in the real world. Like I do, I dream in uh, locations and like set design kind of stuff a bit because I did that a lot while I was like forming as an artist so I I think that I think in a spatial way a lot of times and like images that could be like in a like a movie or something but I don't make movies and I don't make sets anymore and that's okay I don't want to really make those things anymore but I think it's just like a stretching more so for me it's Mm -hmm. an outlet yeah I definitely do actively remember uh, a dream was what started me dying oh that's cool yeah I woke up at like 5 a.m oh yeah I've heard this story yarn that looks like fish and then I went back to sleep and then I did it and uh now I die nice for a living yeah 
I just think it's a pretty good practice to keep uh, either a dream journal or a notepad by your bed. So if you do wake up with, I mean, worst case scenario is you, you, if you write something down in the middle of the night, you can laugh at it with your friends later. Our best case scenario, it's creative inspiration that can really influence you. And also too, if you have a partner or partners, uh, it could be fun to just, if they talk in their sleep, to write it down. I know both my partner I and I are do that. I've never, I never write down what Chad says, but he does talk in the sleep sometimes. The best one was when my partner was working at um, a Les Schwab Tire Center and he talked in the middle of the night about ty- about like tire rotation and alignment. I was like, <laughs> yes, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, at the end of the day, lucid dreaming sounds really neat. And if you try for it, setting like having good sleep hygiene and having a little notepad or notebook by your bed's good idea for anybody, whether or not you're successful at the lucid dreaming. Yeah. And my other, my little bonus tip for keeping your dream journal is to think about how you learn as a person and how you remember stuff as a person when deciding the format of your journal. If you don't learn from writing stuff down, maybe you need a tape recorder uh, or to make little audio notes. Um, Maybe drawing little pictures like I do would be helpful to you. So if there's some way that you know helps you record stuff better, like maybe you remember stuff better when you type, do that just figure out what works for you because everyone's brain is different. And all in all, that's the most beautiful thing about independent, like nature-based spiritual practice is you just find what works for you and uh, what makes you feel more like how you want to feel. Just what we all should be so lucky to get. Yeah. Yay. What an interesting occult corner. Like maybe we'll dip into more stuff about dreams later, but that was a fun first talk on it. Yeah. Awesome. So we do have a little bit of promo this week. I randomly dyed up a few skeins of lace weight. And by the time you are listening to this, we'll be in the shop. I have some avocado dyed ones. Sorry, the lighting's really bad. They're just, they're definitely a real baby pink. They're pretty. Yeah, I like them. And then I've got a couple skeins of a cool gray toned lavender. Ooh. Yeah. And this is my flutter lace, which has got some silk content to it. And it's really soft. It makes me want to do a beaded lace project and they look nice together. Mm-hmm. A few special skeins of lace weight. They'll be in the shop. Nice. We also have an advent calendar you can buy. I'm working on getting it ready to ship out next week. What? Um, so it is the trick or treat Halloween advent calendar. It is a charm bracelet advent calendar. So you get a charm bracelet and 12 little charms to open up leading to Halloween. They're all spooky, cute, Halloween-inspired designs. They work great as stitch markers. And then on Halloween, you get an enamel pin to open, designed by me. And you also get some like bonus little extra stuff that I'm throwing in the packages. And I have add-on options of a matching bag designed by me. It's a denim zipper bag. It has two different sides of artwork on it. And a sock set that Lauren dyed up that is a spooky Halloween-themed yarn set. And I think it's really, really cute. Yeah, I think I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. Sweet. And then you also had a new pattern 
yes, thank you for reminding me. I have a knit pattern available in the September Knit Crate uh, Knit and Crochet box. Uh, it is a bulky weight fingerless mitts pattern that goes on your whole arm. It's called the Maunder Mitts, and it's a super soft alpaca tensile yarn. So they're very like cozy mitts. It's kind of like a really simple, like rustic textured design for the mitts. Um, so they should be like really warm and cozy for fall winter times. Uh, so check that out. I do have the coupon code Kitty Cupcake, not Kitty with the cupcake, just Kitty Cupcake. That will save you $40 on your first subscription box if you decide to subscribe to Knit Crate and I get credit for it. So use that code if you want to. And that's my stuff. That's a serious savings. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So if you are looking to find us anywhere around the internet, or if you want to hear us talk more about what goes on in our business life and our opinions on nerdy media, we have a whole nother podcast. We talk on office hours for patrons. So head on over to the fibercoven.com website where you can find links to our Patreon with said bonus podcast. You will find show notes for the show. You'll find links to my yarn and to Emily's patterns and merch, anything Fiber Coven related head on over there and it will get you where you need to go. So until next week, Kevin, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye. Bye.